0: These stories are amazing, you pick that particular phrasing, I'm watching them all so I'll know, are they though? Well hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Are They Though? The Amazing Stories podcast where we watch an episode of Amazing Stories and we say, is this really such an amazing story? Steven Spielberg um, and my guest... Tonight is someone who I thought would be really fun to have on this show because we've always hit it off. And I have a feeling that the episode that we're doing here today is going to be a good topic for conversation. My friend, Becca Eaton. Hi. Hi, Becca. How's it going? Just fine. Good. Um You said you don't know anything about this show. You don't know I... what Amazing Stories is.
1: No, never heard of it. You
0: know what an anthology show is, though. Yes. Where it's a different story every week. And you've, in fact, done podcasts where you read goosebumps yes and that is a podcast called uh, below grade level yes there's your plug quick plug Go out there and look for that folks but um especially if you like her tones <laughs> this is a this is a chance to hear how yes, she sounds hear
1: more of me I,
0: i'm not trying to say you're a scholar of goosebumps but you have <laughs> read plenty of goosebumps i know
1: more about it than i feel like i should yeah. for a 33 year old woman
0: <laughs> And I've been on that show. I don't know if I've read any Goosebumps with you, though. I think I've only done... I don't know.
1: Done... I feel like we keep making you read Babysitter's Club. That's
0: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is a bit different than Goosebumps.
0: You know, the series that was based on Goosebumps, The it was like a, a Twilight Zone for Kids kind of show.
1: Yeah. It feels like it's in the same world, but I don't know if they ever reference each other. I don't know if there's ever this person is this, from this book is this person's cousin. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if anyone's paths ever cross, but it's the same kind of general tone and world of sci-fi
0: does goosebumps ever establish like a town or a school that is used again i'll have
1: to pay more attention the next time we're reading it
0: i would say amazing stories is a bit lighter hearted than some of those other shows okay so it does have that spielberg uh sense of of sort of upbeat entertainment i don't know what what are your feelings about steven spielberg just in general
1: i like him i'm a fan
0: how old were you in 1985 when this show started airing
1: i was negative
0: one negative one okay wow (laughs) that makes you our youngest person yet i think (laughs) Um, but do you remember, so the name doesn't ring a bell for you No,
1: at I don't think I've ever heard of it. Okay. I, was this something, did they ever put this in syndication or anything? Like, did this kind of have a good appeal that it went on for a while?
0: That's actually the kind of interesting thing about it, is it was Steven Spielberg, and he at that time, and I feel like every episode now, I'm going to say this in it, but it is worth yeah. saying, to put it in context, he had done Close Encounters, he had done Raiders of the Lost Ark, he had done E.T., he had done Jaws, he had done another Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. So he was kind of riding high as not just this, this wunderkind who could make these great crowd-pleasing movies, but he also kind of had the corner of the market on like amazement and wonderment yeah. and a sort of magical quality from the way that, that things are lit to the style of acting to the kind of ideas yeah. that would be like fantasy or sci-fi, but, but taken in a more human direction in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And NBC wanted to do the show with him so much that they made a two-season deal with him. Uh. And the show was not a hit. So otherwise, I don't think it would have lasted as long as it did. It lasted yeah. for 45 episodes in two seasons. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a charm to these, but there's always the door open for us to watch one and think, what the heck? This would only yeah. exist in 1985, and it should stay in 1985. How
1: much of a hand did he have in, it? in the actual concepts in each episode or the writing, or, or what did he actually do?
0: More than half of the episodes in the first season have a story by credit from Steven Spielberg. Okay. At that time, movies were coming out that... Like Goonies Mm -hmm. or Batteries Not Included. Do these movies, these names mean anything to you? Okay. But I mean, there were movies that would come out that would kind of have his imprint on them and it would be produced by him, but not directed by him. And so you got the sense that he was a guy who could take this little germ of an idea and then get the right team on it. Yeah. And so this show, at a time when he might've been moving on to more serious fare, very much he had a hand in it, but it also was a a grooming ground for some names that like a lot of people that came up through that show have gone on to do other things. And in fact, the episode we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. which is called The Main Attraction, it was... uh, written by, um, now, this, like I said, story by Spielberg, mm-hmm. but the teleplay was by Mick Garris. He's been on a lot of things as a writer. He's a guy who started out kind of doing promotional stuff, like doing like interviews and and writing for uh, uh, science fiction magazines and stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. ended up kind of being brought under Spielberg's wing for a period and worked on, on a lot of episodes of Amazing Stories and then went on to become more of a protege to Stephen King. And then the other writer of the teleplay is Brad Bird, who you probably oh, know as yeah. Brad Bird.
1: Holy shit, okay.
0: Yeah, so prior to this, he was an animator. I think this was his first writing credit was yeah. was co-writing the episode we're about to watch today. And he went on to do another episode of Amazing Stories, the only fully animated episode of that. But, oh, cool. but yeah, his future is to be Brad Bird so yeah
1: well it worked out well for him
0: <laughs> but if anybody's listening and doesn't know who that is he's the guy who kind of created the Incredibles he did Ratatouille um uh, the Iron Giant mm-hmm. um I didn't see Tomorrowland but he did that No, oh, I didn't either and then he directed one of the Mission Impossible movies that the name is not coming to me is it Ghost Protocol maybe that he did
1: I think that's one of them yeah <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the Mission Impossible movies that's all but right. That can be a topic for another time. Yeah, that's all right.
0: But anyway, so that's Brad Bird. That's Mick Garris, and then Matthew Robbins, the director of this, um, went on to direct "Batteries Not Included," which I don't think that name rang a bell never with you. Reason, no, it's a movie about like. Feel a, like
1: I've heard of it. It's a tenement. Is there like a little asterisk in the title. Yes. Okay. Before the title. I've at least seen the title.
0: I guess that's a nod to how Batteries Not Included is always kind of a... Yeah, like in a commercial. Yeah. But Batteries Not Included was originally going to be an episode of Amazing Stories, but Spielberg thought it had enough to be a movie. And that's the only one of these that that happened with. And I think when you see them, you can see that idea that these... I I think of them as like short stories. Like...
1: That's... Yeah, that's what it sounds like when you're describing it, where Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the germ of an idea. Right. And it's making me think about Stephen King's short stories. and Because some of his short stories, didn't he keep rewriting them or he'd write fuller versions of them, but they would start out kind of small and then he'd go back and revisit.
0: He'd go back like after a, lunch and write 500 more pages yeah. and then turn it into one of his shorter books. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Stephen King is an interesting guy, but he definitely is one of those people who has written a lot of short stories that in the popular consciousness, they exist. I think short, short fiction is, is kind of sadly unsung in it a way. It is very
1: unsung. It's still around. Yeah, But yeah, people don't talk about it. I'm a big short story fan.
0: I really appreciate that kind of vignette storytelling where you get to the end and it's it's about conveying a feeling. Yeah. So I think these episodes fit that. Now, the one that we're talking about today is kind of one of the more, I don't know, comical genre pieces. It's a high school set thing where a, a, a pompous jock gets, gets his comeuppance Set against the backdrop of like the mid-80s John Hughes kind of view of high school. I don't yeah. know how you feel about those movies. Do you have any affection for those at yeah. all? Okay. But I'm you know, still,
1: I've, I've never seen Pretty in Pink for some reason. Mm. Something that I've always meant to watch and I never have. But 16 <sighs> Candles, Breakfast Club.
0: Yeah. Pretty in Pink is one that I almost think certain things about it would seem odd now. There's a character in it named Ducky. Yeah. That... I think a lot of people who saw it when it first came out have a lot of affection for him, Mm. but the people seeing it now might recognize him as kind of a a nice guy, friend zone kind of guy. And I think he's got more soul than that, but I think that it's just, if you made this movie now, you might make him just the the lead character's friend and not someone who's pining for her. Or you might make him someone who is pining for her, but knows, like, it's a little bit weird that their friendship is predicated on him kind of waiting around for her, but that's very relatable. Yeah. If you were a teenager ever, you had a friend probably who you had a thing for and you were like, not so much like, well, they better like me, but you were kind of like kidding yourself that you yeah. were just being friends with them and like that a way to be close to them was to just be their friend. And there mm-hmm. would be this moment coming where you were going to find out. So I think that like, yeah, Ducky is a character that I wonder how he would play to you now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you had me there explaining how he really means well (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) But I also think he's a shot of life that the movie doesn't have in other ways. It's a little bit of kind of a moody, like uh, teen angst kind of thing. And he's he's a funny character who brings some life to it. So I think that's another reason that people forgive him for being a little bit of a uh, why not me? Yeah, he's like the comic relief. Yeah. Also, he picks a fight with James Spader, who's like an awful asshole in it you admire that he's the sort of guy who also picks a fight with the big prep at school just because you know it's like at least he's also going to do that
1: yeah (laughs) and not just like have a weird transactional kind of non-relationship with the girl
0: well, that's another thing that might make it okay. I love that we're getting into a dissection yeah. of a movie you haven't seen. Um, but that's another thing that makes it all right, is you get the sense that at least he's he, they have a friendship that's real. It's not like yeah. he's only doing stuff for her in this gross way.
1: That's where it would translate, and you could definitely see it easy these days, because yeah. we've seen the nice guy kind of tropes of guys that are absolutely not nice at all, but mm-hmm. they think that they're put upon because they're so nice, but women only like assholes, whatever. Right. Um, and they kind of hang around or, or say like, well, I did all this for you. Why will not you go out with me? Yeah.
0: I mean, he kind of has that moment. But again, it's played... I have to say, the movie feels like it's setting up them getting together. And mm-hmm. then in the last minute, there was a rewrite and they actually changed some things. And they uh. made it so that, well, I'm not spoiling it for you now, but they don't get together. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's like, the, it's the famous example of when the story broke that the original ending was them getting together. A lot of people mm-hmm. said that's the way it should be. But I think they actually decided, for some of the reasons that we're saying, mm-hmm. that it seemed wrong for her to end up with someone who she sort of feels like she's settling for. Yeah. You know? If not that he pressured her into it, but that yeah. she at the end, it's like she should be with no, Nobody, not, not like going, well, I guess I will be with you because things didn't work out with uh, Andrew McCarthy. Blaine. (laughs) Blaine. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll make that decision. All right. Sure. You can, you can do what you want. You know, you're talking like that just because I'm going out with Blaine.
0: Blaine. His name is
1: Blaine. Oh, that's a, that's a major appliance. That's not a name.
0: All right. So we're going to watch the main attraction. That's the second episode of Amazing Stories. Now, this episode aired on October sixth, nineteen eighty-five. I was wow. twelve when this came out. You were negative. You were negative one when this came out. But what? I was, was
1: negative eleven months.
0: What was twelve like for you, though? Twelve. I mean, yeah.
1: Um, twelve. I was probably watching. I don't know what. I'm not going to get the years right for anything, sure. but I definitely liked Are You Afraid of the Dark when I was younger, mm-hmm. read a lot of Goosebumps, but also read a lot of Babysitter's Club and all that stuff. I just liked reading a lot and video games, so it's probably it's probably what I was doing. Definitely Pretty Nerdy. I probably would have watched this.
0: I remember liking it. I don't remember now, like, there's the, the lead character is kind of a jock, Um and that's all I really remember that he's that he's kind of an asshole. And I think there is some of that that John Hughes clicky stuff where there's like yeah. the super nerd and the super jock. So maybe we'll... everyone's
1: got those really defined roles.
0: Yes, and it's very recognizable, and it's very much like you get the visual shorthand of mm. that person is a nerd, that person yeah. is the cool guy.
1: That's so funny. I was just talking to friends this weekend about how in high school I was a jock and a nerd, mm-hmm. like. I And I'm sure it's the same for almost everybody, where you're not really actually pigeonholed into being that one thing. Mm-hmm. But I was on multiple sports teams and also did the A.V. club. Right, Like, I would have to wear my stupid A.V. club polo shirt and go to events and tape them and spend all my time in the control room of our little TV station. Mm-hmm. And then also go play lacrosse. Right. So there was a lot of crossover.
0: And I think that is something that maybe the fallacy of that teen movie stuff is that people are in such rigid roles like i yeah. was sort of a nerd who could i could hang with various different cliques yeah but i did have the stink of nerd on me when i was hanging out <laughs> with the cool kids <laughs> but all right so we're gonna we're gonna break and we're gonna watch uh, the main attraction and we'll be back to talk about it well that was the main attraction that
1: was great that was very enjoyable
0: And I think the many ways in which I was remembering it and beginning to wonder, like, is it going to have aged poorly? Is it going to feel like it's mean-spirited? It's got a sort of jock versus nerd vibe to it. And I wondered, like, is it going to feel like nowadays you would paint the nerd in a more flattering light? But I think that it stays just cartoonish enough.
1: Yeah, which I guess isn't great either if you really think about it. But they don't really give her enough of a backstory or anything to make you truly sympathetic towards her. She's just the nerd that shows up and is hopelessly into the jock guy right? and dresses super crazy. So every second you look at her, she's just like kind of wild looking.
0: Well, when she showed up, you said that's a lot going on that she has there. Yeah. And she did have...
1: She had like lace gloves and then like a lace like dickie on the outside of her shirt. You know
0: what that was meant and, to like, be, I believe? jelly
1: bracelets. That
0: was meant to feel like in 1985, a girl who was kind of dressing like Madonna was in 83 or 84. Yeah. It was meant to feel like a nerd trying too hard, Yeah, but it gave her this... she also
1: this, was like in a cardigan. That
0: actress, who I have seen in other things, uh, uh, Lisa Jane Persky is her name, but Shirley Crater is her character's <laughs> name, um, but uh, is that the actress seems to be having fun playing this kind of over-the-top nerdy character. It doesn't yeah. feel like, as often is the case, or at least I kind of cringe, when a character is presented as... The ugly one or yeah. the fat one or the gross one. And you realize that person is somehow having to embody that. And somewhere, like, sometimes even in the credits, it'll say, like, gross fat man or, yeah. or ugly woman or something. And you'll yeah, be like, well, that can't d- be fun. All
1: you have to think about is that casting call. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, they they really don't do anything to directly insult her. Well, I guess he calls her a dog and, like, says something Early on, They're
0: announcing the prom king today. And you
1: have a little feeling, you devil. So tell me, Your Highness, who is gonna be your queen? Janet, Cindy, Laura,
0: Sonia. Hey, Bender! You, where Becky, you? Juliet. The possibilities are staggering. Take Shirley Craterace.
1: Morning, Mrs. Bender. Oh, Bradley, really. Here comes <laughs> <on laughs> breakfast!
0: Shirley is a perfectly, perfectly nice girl
1: but no one's cruel to her face. Right. Like, I just kind of, like, picks her up in the chair with her lunch and moves her. This table's taken. Oh, hello, Stan. Hmm. This really is the best table. People like to put it down, but it really is the nicest spot in the cafeteria. It's
0: taken. If you look at who's winning the scene in terms of the social scene of high school, it's not Mm. her, but if you look at a piece of entertainment and you go, who's winning is whoever is the most entertaining character to watch. It's less like the jokes on her because the visual gag of her being moved and continuing to talk. It's like the actress gets to play a funny moment. Do you
1: suppose I could just wait here until he comes? We'd have lots to talk about. And, And I think it would make a positive statement. You know, he's popular and I'm, I'm intelligent. And if intelligent people and popular people get together just once, I mean, the symbolism alone would be just. Great.
0: Um, but also, I think it's helped by the fact that all the characters are, are cartoonish in this. Very it, much so, and none more so than, than Brad Bender, yeah. who is a comical spin on a, on, a, on a preening, narcissistic jock. Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> you made all state. I always make all state. Now, hurry up and eat your food,
1: or you'll be late for school. Your father and Shelley already left.
0: Lightly toasted, Mom. Lightly toasted. He does this dance in his bathroom that is so cringe-inducing. You said if if anyone saw this, his status would be wrecked. And I do think that that is meant to be apparent to us, that this guy is just a dork in a different suit.
1: He spends a good bit of time really stressed out over this other guy becoming prom king, where he's sitting there in class and he's, like, freaking out at this guy. And the guy's just kind of, like, writing him off like, you're... You know, I'm really overreacting, basically, and he's just, like, he's, like, shaking and he's mad and he's like, I'm going to kill you or whatever he does. He's just sitting in class and, like, absolutely losing it over the thought of not being prom king. It's not something that, like, you would think, like, the really cool self-assured jock who's definitely going to be prom king would act like. Right. It's a guy who truly is scared that he's not going to get that status that he wants.
0: And I do think that that level of grotesqueness to this character is mm. what a lot of the comedy of the episode comes from. We, we were saying that there's a strong physical comedy component to it as it goes along, but he was reminding me of somebody, and I didn't know who it was until shit started flying at him yeah. and things started <laughs> happening to him. He was reminding us of Bruce Campbell, Yeah, that physicality, the guy who's funny because bad shit is happening to him, Yeah, and then he's he was lanky enough, he also started to remind me sometimes of Jim Carrey yeah. and his just making himself into a walking cartoon character. <laughs> that big long face. The actor who plays uh, Brad Bender is named John where is his name? John Scott Clough and I don't really know what else I've seen him in. I'm looking at his IMDb and mm-hmm. nothing is jumping out at me personally as far as something I remember him from. But I thought he was a really talented physical comedian. he
1: was really good. Like, he was pulling it off when he he had to be magnetized to everything. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing when stuff was flying up to him, but especially the scene with the lockers. And he's stuck to it, and his hands are stuck, and then his head's stuck. And then he's, like, crawling basically sideways, like a spider crawling across it.
0: And kind of rolling. And that's where the Jim Carrey-ness, the physicality of just, like, really throwing his shoulders and really, like... It seemed like at that point I thought, okay, they cast this guy because he has some kind of clown or mime training or something, because that really does take, you do, you do have to be able to work your body to do that kind of thing convincingly, but we'll get there plot wise. Um, But yeah, so this, it starts off and we're introduced to this guy who, who everybody seems to kind of dote on him and... Um, his mother sort of worships him. He's the Letterman, yeah. I believe. She brings
1: him breakfast in bed. And he, then wakes, he
0: complains. He
1: wakes up to hear a newscast about himself. He's in high school. This morning's sports spot
0: hotshot is the toast of Rock Ridge High. Brad Bender, who's made yet another All-State squad, and this time in swimming sports fans, there's just no stopping this kid when it comes to racking up the records. Boom, boom, brr, pow! All-State in soccer, football, track, all season long, it's been Bender, Bender, Bender! Bender. Bender.
1: Yes, I tell you. Just by himself, and he's like, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. He's like blows himself a kiss in the mirror as soon as he wakes up. Right, he Yells at his mom about the toast being overdone.
0: Now, there were 80s movies about characters like this that were slightly less arch, Mm -hmm. that were not, you're not supposed to dislike the person, you're supposed to think they're cool. So Mm -hmm. I think that like the goofiness of the guy, the dance we're talking about, all that stuff, it's selling this idea. It's that kind of popular guy. You get the feeling that nobody really likes him that much.
1: Yeah. He's got, he's really only got that one kind of henchman. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's got a few ladies that are throwing themselves at him, but he doesn't seem to have a huge entourage. I mean, he's got his name in the radio broadcast, but... It's not like people are falling down and worshipping him.
0: Yeah, Stan is the big guy who like yeah. hangs out in front of the school and guards his parking <laughs> yeah. spot. And, yeah. And like runs the register for him. There's something that was briefly sketched in after he arrives at school. He thinks he's got this prom king thing in the bag and he's really concerned about it. I think you're mm. right. The fact that he's like overly concerned with it yeah, is so uncool.
1: The the guy his he he's like running against as a student council president and he's even saying people don't pick student council presidents for prom king, right? He's very concerned about it.
0: You got something for me? Don't I always? Here's a breakdown. The Rockridge prom kings from the last 10 years. Letterman, Letterman, quarterback, all-star, all-state, every year, every time. Are there any student body presidents? Would you stop worrying about Cliff? It's all set. You get the crown, the throne, the robe, and he gets Shirley.
1: But then when the student council guy shows up, he's just very calm and... It's just like, man, you're getting too mad about this.
0: And I think that he's like presented as just kind of a regular prep. I mean, the most interesting thing about him is he wears a sweater. Yeah. But it also seems like they're friends. There's a scene later where they're on the phone and they're talking and there's a little bit of like a... You okay or there's yeah. well when, when it happens anyway we, I don't want to spoil that but like <laughs> it does seem like the other guy is really not sweating it as much yeah. which again makes him seem that much more uncool yeah um, which again I guess that's the point and so that's when uh, uh, Brad realizes he doesn't quite have it in the bag and now that's when this competition about selling the tickets kicks in and he goes and he gets he gets a big fat roll of yeah. tickets
1: yeah which I don't really understand. I guess it's just a plot device, but in proms, when I was in school, you voted at prom. There wasn't anything you did beforehand. I guess people were nominated, so there were names to pick, but then when you were at prom, you just filled out a ballot and put it somewhere. You didn't, they didn't have to like sell tickets or do anything.
0: Tonight's meteor shower is the largest of its kind in this hemisphere for as long as we've been keeping records. So
1: this Think is... Think you're rare. hot
0: stuff because you've got an hour to jump on me, huh, Bozo? Look at me. Do I look bothered to you? Do I look t- disturbed? Seriously disturbed? Yeah? Well, I tonight. eat torps like you for and breakfast I mean and spit up the pencils, okay? Mr. Bender, what did I just say? Uh, you asked us to, uh, to take a shower tonight. Meteors. <laughs> Meteors. <laughs> uh, you, you asked us to watch a meteor shower tonight. No, Mr. Bender. I told you to watch the meteor shower tonight. We've been blessed with perfect weather, so it should be quite a show. I want Your all of you to step outside You're tonight sweating, and watch buddy. for at least a half an hour.
1: Yeah, he gets so worked up in class that he's, like, shaking and sweating and yelling and not paying attention to the teacher talking about the meteor shower that's about to happen.
0: And, again, just, it almost seems like people would be put off by his energy because he is so He's so desperate. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, all the
1: girls he's trying to sell tickets to, he's like, you know, Debbie, you're going to be my prom queen. Doesn't that sound great? Queen Debbie. Yeah. He's just, like, schmoozing every girl to try to sell these tickets.
0: And it seems like he's doing all right, because in the end, he did win. Yeah. But there is somebody, we've mentioned her already, Shirley Crater. She seems to be like the school outcast in a way, because even the nerdy boys yeah. don't want to sit with her, which somehow still, like again, didn't seem as mean as it just seemed kind of funny. Yeah.
1: She gets s- seated by that big guy and yeah. f- picks her up in the chair and puts her down at the nerdy guy table, and they just all like pick up their trays and leave
0: then she then we her, do see that she has I, a friend i guess at some her point. friend yeah, yeah her
1: friend comes and sits down and her friend's funny too and just that she kind of is all very clueless and doesn't have much to say but what she says is funny it's
0: that whole thing of having the sort of like henchman or hench person like here's the person and here's their friend who's a little bit of their lackey yeah. but they're not sugarcoating it for them
1: yeah you know because she's like but she says like is it my glasses and her friend says i don't know
0: right <laughs> Like rather than saying, yeah, you look beautiful without them though. Or yeah. no, the glasses are great. She just looks at it and is like, I don't know. you know. Yeah. But but again, that felt funny to me. Like I, I kind of buy that, I don't know, as, as as heightened as it was, I did buy some of those performances. Like some of that stuff felt like regular high school and some of the kids mm-hmm. actually looked like pretty regular kids. Other stuff really looked like kind of central casting for what they were supposed to be. Yeah. And there was that one guy that I want to look up. Yeah.
1: He looks like he's probably the nerd in a lot of 80s stuff.
0: Let's find He
1: had some real intense eyebrows.
0: That's him. Dominic Braschia. Oh, he died in 2018. It's always sad when IMDb tells us that story. But let's look at what he might have been in. Once Bitten. He was young man buying ice cream. What you bet. Did you ever see Once Bitten? No. It was like a vampire comedy. I'd be willing to bet that his acting in Once Bitten includes a moment exactly like the moment that was in this where he's like, freaked out and scared and runs away yeah and we said i bet he's done that in every movie (laughs) but let me see what else he was oh friday the 13th the new beginning do you know that movie possibly it's the one where it's the one where jason isn't jason it's like where the killer is the paramedic spoilers for friday the 13th part five
1: Oh, is that like a copycat killer?
0: Yes. It's after they did the whole Jason's Dead and they tried to do a new movie where yeah. a different person puts on the mask. In that movie, there's a super annoying character named Joey. Mm-hmm. That movie is sorted. That movie was made by a guy who had worked in like porn and exploitation movies. Oh, and so more so than the other movies, it feels just really trashy and sleazy. Yeah. I think it actually gives it a, a texture that makes it kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but it is gross. And it feels like they've amped up the sex, they've amped up the gore, they've amped up the inappropriateness yeah. in a way that feels... A little too gleeful because the guy behind the camera is going like, yeah. But that guy, Joey, is super annoying and he gets, mm. he gets killed brutally.
1: And that's that guy? That's that
0: guy. That's uh, what I recognize him from, I'm now interesting. realizing. She's out of control, Night Court, busted, my life is a troll.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> I used to watch Night Court.
0: We all did. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Dominic Brascia, rest in peace. You were good for a laugh in this. His braces for sure. get oh, attracted yeah. to the guy. But we haven't talked about what happens yeah. yet. So after this day at school, Brad Bender goes home. And are we missing anything before we get to that part?
1: I don't really think so. Yeah, He's had... He's already kind of shit talked our nerd girl yeah. at the beginning of the movie. At yeah, the very beginning. She,
0: she gets introduced as the joke. If you don't get any of the hot girls you just mentioned to go out with you, yeah. you can always get Shirley Crater. Yeah, and he's, he's like, oh, she's a dog. And he's like, yeah,
1: he's like, oh, I'm gonna barf yeah. in the toilet. He like commits to that bit for a while. Yes. So it's obvious that he's not into her. Right,
0: and we see sort of why in the in the high school terms of the of the show that like mm. she's she's in a different social cast than yeah. he is. Um, and all that stuff happens that we mentioned where he's trying to sell tickets and she tries to sit down at the table and Stan, who's the big hulking henchman for mm-hmm. Brad Bender, he moves her, picks, picks up her chair and moves her to the other table. Um, so yeah, we've seen enough of her. We know that she has got it bad for Brad. And I guess that's the other thing that makes laughing at her okay, is that she's she likes this super shallow idiot. So it kind of yeah. makes her seem like a shallow idiot. She
1: doesn't seem too sincere. Right. Of like, well, and, and I guess that's also kind of the blessing and the curse of something that's such a short time period mm-hmm. um is that we don't get a lot of backstory. Right. So we don't see her pining away and her true feelings. And maybe she's in love with him. Maybe they met when they were five and they used to be close and they weren't. like We don't see any of that. We don't
0: see like her crappy home life yeah. or her drunk dad or anything that would otherwise make us feel sort of sorry for her. Yeah. People who don't know what's best for themselves, they don't really mm-hmm. know who they are. Yeah. And like, this is high school when a lot of people don't know who they are yet.
1: Yeah, when the only thing she really says about Brad is that wouldn't it be cool if the nerd and the jock got together? Yeah. Like, that concept more than like, oh, I'm deeply in love with Brad.
0: But there is that thing set up in the class. When Brad isn't paying attention to his teacher, they set mm-hmm. up the idea that there's a meteor shower. Yes. Later, when Brad is counting the tickets that he sold, and I think boasting to Cliff that he yeah. sold more. And Cliff is sitting there like, Ugh! you know, damn
1: yeah. it. And he's like, it would take an act of God for me to not be prom king.
0: And we see the meteor shower, super 80s effects. Um, You know, I think that compositing, I don't remember, I think in a cheap movie, you might have seen effects that looked as dodgy as the sort of Mm. uh, compositing in this. But that's one of the places where this show really shows its age is the practical effects are usually pretty good.
1: Yeah, the practical effects are great. But the
0: non-practical effects really look of their time and maybe quite a little bit lower than film quality.
1: Yeah. I doubt they had ILM working on this.
0: And even if they did, it was probably cut rate or on a short term because again, yeah. there were twenty-four episodes of this in the first season. So if yeah. even half of them had an effect like that, they're getting rushed for by movie standards. Yeah. You know, television just is done on a different schedule. Um, but. The meteor shower happens and then he he sort of makes a joke on the phone oh
1: yeah there was one that just kind of like shakes the house and just like skims it and comes by really close that was a really funny line some of this was genuinely so funny to Mm -hmm. me he says you pray right
0: you pray regularly don't you cliff (laughs) tell him he missed and then while he's saying that the meteor that's going to change his life is coming in the window in the background and then we see that crash it's very apparent very quick we we cut to the next morning when there's a science team and there's maybe this is uh maybe it's all scientists but maybe there's some news people there as well they're taking pictures of the meteor that crashed into his room and i love how like in the context of this guy's life he's still the guy who's got to worry about being prom king but he's also the guy who had a meteor crash into his house you know so again that's another thing that the sped up time frame (laughs) of this type of story what that does for you is it gives you this like Okay, we're not going to dwell on the fact that both of these things are happening on the same day. Yeah. A movie might have to work a little harder to make those coincidences not feel like coincidences. But the fact that it's the day where he's got to go to school and report his ticket sales. Yeah. But he also has this thing happen that makes him really not want to go to school, which is that the meteor that crashed into his room has magnetized him. Yeah. This is incredible. I mean, practically everything in this room is magnetized. (laughs) I'm surprised you're not. And I think that is where the physical comedy starts, and that's where the Bruce Campbell stuff starts, where, you know, this guy suffering is definitely the comic centerpiece of the whole story, is seeing this guy who we watched in the first act just run rampant over everybody and love himself. Now even he knows this is going to be a hard sell, Yeah, and people aren't going to think I'm that cool if I've got, like, hair clips stuck to my face. Yeah, and it's
1: it's... Weird. I didn't think about it until just now. It really starts out small and then ramps up a lot. Like he becomes more magnetized over time, which I don't really understand. Right. But it really is just like oh, there's a little paperclip here, a little paperclip there. And he's just like taking he's just like hopping in the scientist pictures with the meteor and just being really goofy and like whatever this is weird mm-hmm. but then it just becomes more and more and like metal buckets roll over to him
0: no when the janitor's bucket attached <laughs> itself to his leg I, I, ch- I mean I went but because yeah. it's like to me that's just funny that's just such a dumb annoying thing to have yeah, happen and, it's and just that's the beginning of that.
1: nowhere you don't yeah. see a right. janitor it's just like here's a bucket
0: that is the funny part of that is that yeah where's, where's the janitor but that's the beginning of The great locker sequence, which they seem to know is their, their big set piece. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, Brad Bird being an animator before this and being such a great animation director, his visual storytelling chops are super strong. I bet that this was... You know, you wonder sometimes what's the hook? What makes someone go that we've really got something here? Yeah. That sequence was really the part that people must have been going, okay, we've got... Like, I remember my whole family laughing at that. Yeah. And, and me, like, I think I was into sort of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. There's no chance I didn't act magnetized at different <laughs> points uh, after this episode yeah. aired. Which is funny because me at 12, there's nothing that I shared with this jock character.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, he does such a great job. Yeah. It's no, it really just does. Just getting different parts of his body stuck and pulling them away and then something else gets stuck. And, and making
0: it look painful, which is yeah. where the Bruce Campbell, where we realized, oh, this is kind of reminding me of Bruce Campbell because he's not he's not playing it cool. Like the vanity is not, yeah. the vanity of the actor is not wrecking the comedy at all.
1: And I guess that it helps that they set that up early yeah. where he really is the kind of guy that wants to be cool and thinks he's cool, but is so goofy. Yeah. So when this stuff happens, it's, Pretty natural to see him just like pull all those crazy faces
0: and and just look ridiculous. And the fact that his being kind of desperate and and dorky in his own way makes us empathize with him a little bit, so that when this stuff is happening to him, we are able to go, "Oh, ouch, yeah, that sucks." Instead of going like, "Yeah, you're getting what you deserved, asshole," it's like there is some way in which we go, "Oh boy, that would suck." In, yeah. the, in the in the terms of high school, anything that makes you stand out yeah. is bad.
1: And also, literally, no one helps him. Right? There's that locker scene. There's like a group of people right there, and they're all just looking at him like that's weird. Yeah. And none of them come over to like grab his feet and pull him away. And they just mm-hmm. walk away from him.
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that that whole idea that maybe nobody likes this guy is yeah. is really kind of creeping out in that whole sequence. That they're all sort of. Uh, you know, going, what's up with Brad? Um, yeah. And then the, the moment where it all really comes home for him. He's just had the locker moment where he tries to get down the hall. And that really is, I mean, like the amount of time they spend on that shows you that they knew they had something good there. Because they keep, yeah. like, they cut and they show the passage of time and how long it takes him to get down the row yeah. of lockers. And he finally makes it past it. Um, and then he goes to the locker room. Uh, like the oh
1: my god, that was actually the, like, alarming. Yeah, that he, was like
0: something out of a horror movie. He
1: opens a door to like a sports equipment room, so mm-hmm. there's just like a huge barrel of aluminum bats. Yep, and there's just arrows from archery and all kinds of other metal stuff like in there. Ski and yeah, you, poles you or something, it, maybe yeah. I don't know. But you it see it all like rattling, and you're yeah. like, oh, he's gonna die now. Right,
0: spiky things are yeah. around. And right before that, he ducks into that equipment room because he's he's gone to the locker room. Um Which I guess as a jock is kind of his place. Yeah. And he sees the coach talking to one of the scientists from his house earlier, and they're actually looking for him. And he actually saw that earlier one of the scientists was in a classroom saying where's Brad Bender. And he, when he was, when he first realized he's magnetized, he had this flash, like, nightmare fantasy of them conducting experiments on him and treating Mm. him like a a freak. And uh, I think maybe there's the implication that they're going to stick a probe up his ass. It must be some massive internal electromagnetic charge. I'd like to measure Mm -hmm. any
1: electrical flux.
0: Where do we insert it?
1: Right here.
0: And after that, it really sets up this idea that when he sees the scientist, he doesn't want this to happen. You yeah. Know, he doesn't want to be taken off and treated that way. So he's kind of hiding. And when he sees the scientist in the locker room is when he ducks into the equipment room. But right mm-hmm. before that, there's that scene where he just goes into the locker room and it's yeah. the jock locker room and it's the row, like two rows of lockers with the benches down the middle mm-hmm. and all the locks like shake and point yeah. towards him. That's really that like something. Really neat. Yeah. 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 That...
1: Like stuff like that, I was seriously wondering, like, how did they do that? Right. Like what was the fishing line budget of this movie? It <laughs> was like everything he threw and then it just like scooted back over to him.
0: And he wondered... But yeah, ma- the
1: locks were really... They all like all went up and then all back down again. Yeah,
0: I wondered if he was going to go to another row and it was going to happen again. But, yeah. but anyway, that's when he sees the scientist. He ducks into the equipment room and then he runs away from all that spiky equipment you were talking yeah. about. And that's when we get the visual gag of he's against the door and we hear the sound of all the... Um, the equipment hitting the other side yeah. of the door and then we see the shot of the other side of the door and it's like all that stuff arranged in the shape of a, of a human
1: yeah so cartoony yeah. like when no, you think about like so. the gags are so cartoony you could see that in Looney Tunes easily yeah,
0: yeah it's like one step away from running out and leaving a, a hole shaped like a person yeah. in the wall um then I guess he just is trying to get away right he's just trying to sneak out and that's when he gets caught in the hall by yeah. one by one the girls that he promised being his uh prom yeah. queen yeah
1: jerk. Laura says that she's going to be your date for the prom.
0: Hey Brad, we want to talk to you. There you are. Jeannie says she's going to be prom queen. Your attention please. The lottery tickets have been counted. This year's prom king is... Brad Bender. And somehow it still plays like he's doing something funny to impress people or, like, they're yeah. impressed by the trick. I guess the fact that he's desperate and it's obvious to us is not quite as obvious to these other kids, but it's almost like maybe they're still high on the idea that, like, it's Brad Bender. We we, we have no choice but to, to bow down to this guy. You know, yeah. his weakness is, like, maybe after what happens at the end happens in front of everybody, maybe he's taken down a peg or something, but I don't know. It's not, like, no. really spelled out that people suddenly turn no on him or anything. really
1: reacting to the magnet stuff at all which is not really usual (laughs) i mean if you saw a bunch of junk like by the end of the show he's covered like just covered head to toe Mm -hmm. with just like random objects and nobody says like why are you, Why is this happening to you? Why right. are, Why is stuff stuck to your body? What'd you do, Brad? No one says anything. Mm-hmm. They kind of just see it happen, and they either just like ignore him and walk away, or, yeah, those two girls show up, and they're like, you said I'd be queen. Yeah. Like, he's covered in garbage. Mm-hmm. He's got bigger fish to fry right now.
0: And uh, we do want to mention one other thing. When he was hiding from the scientist in the locker room, we catch the scientist saying that another meteor fell near here and, and yeah. we're getting a little bit the suggestion that they know something about him based on what happened with the other meteor or something but like we, it's not spelled out but it's hinted at yeah so that later uh or shortly after that when he is uh in front of the school and he's trying to get away and he walks a little too close to the flagpole yeah i guess if he had just given it a wider berth yeah. He might have made it home.
1: Possibly. The, yeah. The How room, would he get home
0: though on that bike? We didn't mention the bike. Yeah. He can't drive his car. It's like he totally shorts out, like the ignition yeah. on the car, like blows up with him being all magnetized, which that's, you just have to I, believe that. Yeah. There was a bit of physical comedy too with him trying to get out of the car and then then actually successfully shut the door and remove mm. his hand. Um, but him on the bike, the reason I'm circling back for this is because that was really good physical comedy where yeah. he's riding the bike, but when he gets there, he can't, like, he can't get off get, the bike. Yeah. <laughs> So he has to kind of like, he's on his back trying to kick it off of him. Um, so yeah, I guess he was hoping to get to that bike and make it home, but he gets stuck to the flagpole, and then everybody comes out and is watching him. All right. All right. So I'm magnetic. So what? He's got the um, the uh, like umpire's uh, mask or catcher's yeah. mask. That he kicks off and he, and he, well, he picks it off his foot and he throws it and then it flies back and hits his foot. And that's when everyone's like, yay. And again, again. vestiges of him being the cool guy. It's like, oh, he, the cool guy just did something. So it's cool. You know?
1: And he's, yeah, he just seems so bitter. He's like, you like that, do you? And he, yeah. like, throws it again. But well, then... yeah, he's
0: got this, all right, all yeah. right kind of <laughs> attitude. But then he throws it, and he throws it a little further, and this time it doesn't move back to him. It kind of, you see it kind of twitching on the ground, which, yeah. right when the scientists are saying, another meteor fell nearby here. And, yeah, I can't remember why they're saying, like, this is great for you.
1: Yeah, what which th- I don't really know why that would be good news. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like bad news because Mm -hmm. as much as he's stuck to that flagpole, when she shows up, it pulls him away.
0: There's no need to be alarmed, Mr. Bender. As far as we've been able to ascertain your magnetism poses no threat to your health. How the hell do you know? Because the other meteor crashed into a house only a few blocks away from yours. And... the reason the catcher's mask isn't flying back towards him is because it's being equally magnetized in the other direction by shirley crater
1: yeah the other meteorite
0: oh my god who lives up to her name, I guess. The, the, the meteor hit her house or landed near her house, so she yeah. got magnetized. And now the implication is like opposite magnets, like the charge yeah. that they're now attracted to each other, which is where the, the main attraction, the title comes from. Yeah. And also just the idea that they're attracted to each other. This is where her sort of offhand comment about, wouldn't it be interesting if these two people came together? Mm-hmm. And now it happens due to uh, sci-fi shenanigans. Yeah.
1: And it, it seems... It seems like it's definitely the worst case scenario because her magnetization is so strong. It seems stronger than his and stronger than the giant flagpole he's stuck to because just her being there is pulling him away.
0: Right. It's the only thing that's successfully going to pull him away from that flagpole is her. And maybe even if it is equal and opposite, the fact that they're kind of dragged towards each other, but he's got like... He's leaning back, hands out, feet out, being dragged. And yeah. she's like floating forward yeah, on like tippy toes. Yeah, like a cartoon character. Like, 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 like she
1: smelled a pie and yeah. she's floating through the air. Yes.
0: It's like for her, it's love. And for him, it's horror.
1: They, you know, get stuck together and she starts kissing him. And then you see the like electricity, mm-hmm. which probably is a little bit painful. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> well, she yeah, also has she's braces. just like, yay, this you is know. happening now. And yeah. he's just like, oh no.
0: And then it's over. And, and then it's just yeah. over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think overall?
1: I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I'd i be curious to watch more, and we are going to watch another one. Yes, um, I'm going to have
0: you on a future episode for sure.
1: I'm wondering uh, if that same energy is present cuz when it we first started watching it I said this is a really weird energy. Yes. like of just everything and everyone and I couldn't wrap my head around it mm-hmm. for a few minutes. Um I'm wondering if it's a similar energy throughout or because it is an anthology if it just totally depends on who's created that episode and the subject of that episode.
0: I will say um well I I, I don't know if I should let on too much but I know mm-hmm. which episode I might have you back for mm-hmm. and I'm I'm worried about it, and I want you to be <laughs> here for me in case it, it plays really badly. But it, it it is it is another comic one, but I wonder... Yeah, I just wonder. You'll, you'll yeah. see. Be, everybody listening, if you've enjoyed Becca on this episode, <laughs> you'll, you'll get to hear her on... A, it, it'll it be an interesting conversation, at least. That was a lot of fun, Becca. I'm yeah. glad you came on. I um, enjoyed it. Where would people find you online if they want to catch up with you there? Uh,
1: they can find me on twitter instagram and facebook at cd reads that's my other podcast where me and uh, my co-host kelly talk about romance novels yes or you can find me at all those other things at below grade level which is where me and my husband and our friends talk about children's books
0: <laughs> or
1: actually we read them on the podcast
0: what are you guys working on right now is that like are you in the middle of a goosebump or a baby or right now club? we're in
1: the middle of an anamorphs oh i don't know how much you remember about anamorphs i remembered nothing except the covers
0: only that the covers were this crazy like beautiful horrible
1: horrible for sure like both
0: in terms of being like a, a what looks like low budget morphing effects yeah but also somewhere in between there's one of those versions that's like a horrifying it's, freak of nature it's straight up nightmare yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> the book we're reading right now it's a girl that turns into an elephant
0: oh my god so the the middle stage
1: of that is definitely horrifying yes and there's yeah there's a lot more going on in those books than i could have possibly remembered there's like aliens and there's Shifting into other creatures, like so many different ones. I don't know. There's so much going on. We started like at a book that's pretty much right in the middle of the series. So we're like, what the fuck is any of this about? Right. It's a bit confusing, but it's crazy.
0: Well, if you need help reading an Animorph in the future. Absolutely. You, you can get me over there. <laughs> but um, as far as anything else, folks, I'll see you at the prom, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah.